TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Pet Talk. You're listening to Lori Fast on this behavior edition of the show. And today I have a guest and she couldn't make it in person, but she's on the hotline and I'm going to see if I can hook her up. So we'll see. Hello. Hey, Lori, it's Christine. Oh, good. You're on the air. I didn't screw up the buttons, but (laughs) you know the drill if I somehow... I'm going to have to put you on hold during breaks. And so if for some reason you get cut off, you can just call back. No big deal. Okay. Sorry you couldn't make it in person, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first we have to say who you are. I said I have a guest, but I didn't say who you are. Uh, So you're Christine Johnson, and you are from Greyhound Rescue and Rehabilitation. That's correct. um, Where exactly are you located? Well, Greyhound Rescue and Rehab, which we now go by GRR, was founded by myself, my husband, and one other person 24 years ago in Westchester County. And we're now in Westchester and Fairfield, a couple of other counties local, but we don't, you know, go outside of our geographic reach. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, if a dog happens to get lost, which does happen, and unfortunately last night did happen. Um, We want to be able to mount a force to get out there and get the word out, post flyers, hand out flyers, and if a dog is too far away, I can't help. So are you saying that if somebody's interested in adopting a greyhound, they have to be within some sort of radius of where you are? From my organization, yes. Okay, and what would that be? Well, so we do um, all of southern New York State, and we do um, Fairfield County, and we will do Orange, Duchess, Purchase, um, Putnam, rather, in Westchester counties. But again, you know, it's got to be within like 150 miles from Cross River or Stanford. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty well. You know, if you're going 150 miles from... Stanford, that's a fairly big radius. I think I'm, I would be within that radius in Newington, Connecticut. Sure. 
Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. So anyway, you know, I had just a little history here. I had found out about you from uh, Lynn, who I had on a a while ago. And Mm -hmm. um, I just talked to you before I invited you on the show. And, and, you know, I've worked with over the years, a lot of um, retired greyhounds off the racetrack but there was a lot of information that you had and uh things that i didn't know things that have changed uh perspectives that are different than what i had even thought about um Mm -hmm. and i wanted to get your input into that but before we do that um i know right now you're experiencing something not too great which you kind of alluded to and i had said to you that i'd be more than happy to throw the word out there. So that's what we're going to do right now, because I know you just adopted a dog. I think his name is Chief. That's right, Chief. Um, So every, you know, six to eight weeks, myself and three or four other volunteers take two vans, and we drive up to West Virginia, where the two sole remaining tracks are in the country. And we load up dogs that are available for adoption who have ended their working career and are ready to start on their second career. Well, last week, we brought in 11 dogs, and um, Thursday night, Chief went home with his foster to hopefully be forever family. And within 24 hours, they did adopt him, and these are seasoned Greyhound folks, and unfortunately, last night about 4.30, as they came in, The door wasn't completely closed. Chief's leash was taken off, and before they could blink, Chief had backed out of the door and was gone. And greyhounds can run really far, really fast in the blink of an eye. And we've been searching for him um, since 5.30 last night. Wow. So where exactly was the... What location did he, where was the house that he jumped out? He was uh, North, uh, let's see, North Salem Road in Ridgefield. But then he made it very fastly right down into, you know, kind of the local area of Ridgefield town proper. And, you know, he's been sighted um, up until 2 o'clock this morning in a condominium complex kind of thing called Casagmo, then supposedly at about 7.30 this morning at the dog park. But unless we get consistent sightings of him in one area, there's not a lot we can do. So, you know, my plea to your listening public is if you're in the Ridgefield, Connecticut area and you happen to see a big brown brindle dog with a neon green collar meandering along, please call either my cell phone, which is 914-391-5272, or the animal control officer in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and report that you've seen him. Don't chase him. Don't call him. He's scared. He's only been here a week. Sometimes, you know, people listen to this and they go, okay, yep, and then time goes by and uh, they don't think about it. And then, oh, wait a minute, we see this dog. So it's going to be 
hard for people to remember your your number. If somebody was going to look it up, could they find a contact number from the website, your website? They can, absolutely. Okay. And our our phone number's on there. Okay. So I have your your um, website is Greyhound rescuerehab.org but guess what I put it up on my website which is Lori Fast Dog Training and it's under the links page um, and actually there's another Greyhound Rescue on that list but this one is again the Greyhound Rescue rehab.org or you know what if you're can if you see a greyhound running around in this area and you're not sure who to call why don't you just call me <laughs> not at the station because i leave here at two o'clock but you can find all my contact information on my website so it might be easier if you're not sure to just get a hold of me and then i can hook you up to the to the right person but i think the more eyes that are looking for this dog and the more people that hear about this the greater the possibility of him uh, getting home safely, so that's why I'm more than happy to just share this information with people. And, Thank you. you know, Thank you so much, and that's what it's all about. The more people that know that we're looking for him, you know, the more people that know to call or, you know, reach out in some way, shape, or form. Okay, well, you know, we'll we'll mention it again before the end of the show, but I wanted to kind of go back on track here and mm-hmm. um, talk to you a little bit about the history of greyhound racing because it seems to me and correct me if i'm wrong but memory serves when i would see the most number of dogs that were taken off the track for whatever reason i think it was like more like in the 80s and Mm -hmm. as time went on i've seen less and less and as of late i don't see a lot of them anymore and you had said there's only two tracks uh in the united states that wasn't always true that's right Yep, nope, that is true. Um, Now, the most recent closing was about two years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, which was Southland, which was in Arkansas, and before that, all the tracks in Florida were closed. But, you know, when I founded this group 24 years ago, the word rescue was in the, the name of my organization, because back then, we really were rescuing. And it's kind of a funny story how I actually got into greyhounds. Um, My husband and I had lived in the city and we moved up to Westchester County and I was a dog person. He was cat person, but he finally conceded that I could have a dog. But the caveat was it couldn't bark, shed, drool, or smell. And he he thought he'd gotten over on me, right? He thought he was, I was going to have to go and buy a, you know, a stuffed animal of some sort. But my sister said to me, why don't you adopt a retired racing greyhound? And I said, Shelly, are you crazy? You know, we don't run. We don't get any exercise. It's, you know, that's not, we're not active like that. She said, no, no, I've heard they really, really are calm, gentle pets, you know, once they make the transition from racing life. Well, fate would have it the next day walking through the parking lot of where I go to work in Stanford was a woman walking a retired racing greyhound. And I thought that's it. It's meant to be because I had never seen one ever as a pet. And I applied to a local um, greyhound adoption group and my application was rejected. 
on what basis, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> well, they didn't give me a reason, but being persistent and rather stubborn, I called and was told, well, you and your husband work eight hours a day. And I said, okay, well, I can take care of that. I'll get a dog walker. Oh, no, you know, these dogs aren't used to being left alone for that long. And I said, okay, well, let me get back to you. And I, living in a condominium, posted signs all over my little complex looking for someone who would be willing to come mid-afternoon, walk my dog, and then spend maybe half an hour watching television and hanging out. And a 13-year-old boy knocked on my door and applied for the job, and I hired him. It was $7 a day, and he would come in. I'd leave him a snack. He'd do his homework, and he would walk my dog. And then I was approved. Sounds like a (laughs) win-win. Yeah, it was. But but jump forward many years, and my adoption rep, who originally helped to reject my application, has now adopted three or four greyhounds from my organization. (laughs) Well, you should have rejected her first one. (laughs) (laughs) This is a joke. I know, I know. But, you know, it's funny. Um, I really didn't know what to expect, even though I'd read a lot about retired racing greyhounds. And it... It, it, it is different having a greyhound than it is having a lot of other breeds. And back then, when I founded the group, I founded it because I really felt that I could do better than the group that I had adopted from. They didn't do fostering. They didn't do a lot of meet and greets. And I just felt that there was, a, 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 you know, a lot of people out there that could benefit from these gentle giants. Now, when um, you started um, doing mm-hmm. this 24 years ago, how many tracks were active at that time? I can't even tell you, but it was a lot. You like know, maybe 30. 50, oh, 30. Okay, no, well, that's still quite 30, a bit. <laughs> maybe 35. Right, I don't honestly remember. <laughs> no, no, it was a little that many. more. Listen, Christine, yeah. we need to go to a break, so I'm going to attempt sure. to put you on hold, um, and we'll we can more continue this conversation. Yes. Okay. Great. Because I can go. I can. Friends have gone away. And welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. Christine, are you still there? I am here. Well, I guess I didn't ever put you on hold. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you were still on the air. Good thing nobody came to your door and rang the doorbell. (laughs) Well, they would have heard a lot of dogs barking. Yeah, I was doing a commercial. (laughs) I thought I hung up on you, but I realized, oh, boy, okay. Good thing you were quiet there. (laughs) I'm here. Okay. So anyway, we're speaking with Christine Johnson, who is from Greyhound Rescue and Rehabilitation. And uh, I feel like... You know, the show goes so fast. I remember, you know, when we were talking before the show, uh, there's so many things to cover. I hope maybe someday you can come back again so we can cover all this stuff. But uh, one, of the, lot. Sure. one of the things that I wanted to we've, we've got a, about six minutes before the bottom of the hour, but I thought maybe you could uh, kind of tell me again so the people who are listening to the show can hear it, not just me, about how things have changed uh, with 
dogs off the track because I think that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know anything about this, but uh, at the time, as I said, like in the 80s, early 90s, that kind of thing, uh, there were a lot of dogs and a lot of them weren't in very good condition. And there was a lot of stuff going on that really wasn't that great for the dogs. And, um, you know, there's only two tracks now, as you said, and, and things have taken a turn for the very positive for these dogs. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Well, sure. I I think that, you know, as more and more awareness was raised about greyhounds as pets, they became more in demand. And um, true, you know, the, the conditions that some of them were kept in in the 80s and because of the numbers, um, things weren't always ideal for them, but as the years went on, more and more of the kennel owners, the dog owners, the trainers, they really started to advocate for their dogs to find homes. And I'll be honest, when I first started the group, as I said, we did do rescue. Um, but we don't rescue anymore. These dogs don't need to be rescued. Now, you know, they have wonderful trainers, the kennel owners who care about them, they take good care of them, and especially now that there are only two tracks, there are just too few greyhounds to go around. Um, You know, I personally have experience working in these racing kennels and being with these people and seeing how they treat their dogs, and we can talk more about this after the next break, but you know, there are injuries, and people think it's cruel. Well, marathon runners get injured. Is that cruel? Greyhounds love to run, and they're sighthounds, and they love to chase. And just like other athletes, will they get hurt? They will get hurt. But that's where my group comes in. Frequently, we are called if there's an injury. And thanks to wonderful donations, we are able to pay for a dog to be repaired. And it gives it a second chance to run. But the, the old school, the old way of thinking that they're beaten and they're never let out and they don't experience anything fun, that's just not true. Do it's you think it true. used to be true? I think that there were just way too many tracks and way too many dogs and way too many people of the older mentality that they were disposable. But it's not anymore. As the younger generation took over, they realized that this living, breathing commodity had worth beyond just its racing career. Well, that's good. That's good to know. I mean, I think that you get a certain idea stuck in your head. And, um, you know, I, as I said, back in the 80s, I saw some dogs that were in pretty sorry condition physically and emotionally. Um, And as I reflect on it now, I I can't actually remember uh, the last time I worked with um, 
a greyhound. It's been a while. And, you know, different breeds of dogs kind of trend for different reasons. So Mm -hmm. when I started talking to you, that kind of explains it. There aren't a lot of them out there anymore. But um, they are still out there, and it is still possible to get one. And I think if somebody was interested in that, obviously they'd contact somebody like you that could help them out. Um, So, all right. Well, you know, we're coming up to to our break here. And so I know we want to talk about um, what's different about greyhounds and what kinds of things people would need to keep in mind to find out if you are a person that would like to have a greyhound and and what they're like. And they are different from other dogs. Um, You know, all dogs, dog breeds are different, but greyhounds are significantly different. I remember somebody saying, do I take different ages of dogs in my group classes? And I said, yeah, I do. And guess what? The difference between a greyhound and a Labrador is more different than between a three-month-old Labrador and a year-old Labrador. So we have to make individual adjustments based on a lot of things. And, uh, you know, so obviously they're dogs and a lot of things are similar, but a lot of things are different too. So that's that's what we want to keep and, you know, let people know. So we're going to go to a break and be right back. Very good. You could learn. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. We're talking today about greyhounds, and we are speaking with Christine Johnson from Greyhound Rescue and Rehabilitation. And you're still there, aren't you, Christine? I am here. Oh, goody. Okay. All right. Um, So I I don't trust myself with this control panel. You know how many buttons there are in here? And there are only just a few that I'm supposed to touch, but leave it to me to touch the wrong one. Done it before. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say one more time that if anybody out there sees a greyhound, they're very distinctive, they're hard to miss, running around in the Ridgefield 
Connecticut area. Um, I think the easiest thing to do to reunite this dog who got away from his family just fresh off the racetrack would be to contact me, and then I can give you the appropriate information as to who to contact. So, you know, you can get all my information from my website, which I announce all the time, LoriFastDogTraining.com, and uh, just the more eyes out there looking for Chief, I think his name is, right? His name is Chief, and he's two and a half years old, and he's only been here a week. Yeah, so he so. really doesn't know much about anything. But as you were on break, um, I just got a text message that there had been a sighting at like twelve thirty, um, but the people didn't know that he was missing until now when they went into town and got the flyer, uh-huh. um, and that's why it's so important. To get the word out. Well, you know, um, just a general announcement. If you see a dog running around loose, probably it's it got away, whether it's a greyhound or a chihuahua or a German shepherd. I mean, sometimes dogs kind of meander around close to home and then they go right back home. But more times than not, if you see some dog in some area, you should you should say something. Why not say something? It doesn't hurt to Definitely. say something. Definitely. Know, but it certainly does hurt to not say something. So Right. And the animal control officer in Ridgefield has been super helpful. His name is Chris. And, you know, he's keeping his work phone on him all the time. You know, if anybody gets a sighting there and they can't reach you, Lori, you know, they can certainly find their animal control officer and give him a holler. Right. Yep. So where was Chief seen? Was he still in the Ridgefield area? He is. Yes, he's in Ridgefield, okay. someplace near Ivy Street, which I don't know where it is. I haven't got the map in front of me, okay. but it seems like he's staying in the general kind of a block or so away from Maine downtown. Okay. All right. Well, that's good, at least. Well, yep. Hopefully, yep. you know, we can get him to come home, and that'll make everybody we're happy. But. No, you know, I think my biggest worry is that greyhounds, unlike many, many breeds, they don't have any body fat. You know, they're athletes, so they're muscle and skin and bone, and they don't have thick fur. And, you know, once we get them as pets, they wear pajamas at night to keep them warm and winter coats when they go outside, even after the races. In the cold weather, they get, you know, nice fleece blankets put on them, um, you know, to be walked out after a race and before they're put on their trucks to go back up to their kennels. So my biggest worry is the cold. Right. You know, we need to get Chief home. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're big, they're big dogs, but they, you know, so a lot of people might not think that putting clothing on them is, again, not a fashion statement, but an actual necessity to keep them comfortable. Uh, and there are sure. there are other dogs besides greyhounds that fit into get that category. But um, I think a lot of times people think of putting coats on dogs as being, oh, just cute and silly and just, you know, costumes and not having any real purpose. But, you know, I guess, yeah. in, you know, with greyhounds, we know that is not the case. But there's, you know, greyhounds are kind of inter- an interesting breed of dog. And we were going to talk about what's different about them. So why don't we do that? Why don't you talk about what things are other things that are different about greyhounds than your average run-of-the-mill dog? Well, I can just say one thing back to the coats. I have six. And I know that as it starts to get colder... If I don't put, like, a little pajama or something on them at night, 
they're up. You know, they're they're twirling around in their beds. But when it gets cold, I put those jammies on there, and those puppies sleep from ten at night until seven in the morning. Snug as bugs in a rug. But greyhounds are different. Um, they have had a career and they have had a job to do, and they have known life in a kennel with 66 other greyhounds. They haven't seen many kids. They haven't seen cats or other breeds of dogs. They don't know really what a glass window is. They don't know what stairs are because they've just never had that in their working career. And so... To get a greyhound as a pet, there's certain things that people need to be aware of. First of all, we profile the family to match the dog. And greyhounds range in personality literally 180 degrees. You can have the shyest, scaredest dog to a silly, silly dog who is like a Labrador puppy in a greyhound suit. And we really do, we get an application, we talk to the family, we'll do a home visit. Home visit is not a judgmental type of thing. It is going through your home and pointing out things that could be a challenge to your greyhound. Sliding glass doors. They will run right into it. They don't know glass. What do you do? You put post-it notes on your door. Hardwood floors never experienced it. They can turn into Scooby-Doo with their legs going in all different directions and take a face plant and then they don't want to walk on that floor anymore. And then we learn about the family and we learn about what their activity level is, what their likes and dislikes are and what they think that they want in a pet. And then it's my job to meet all these dogs when I'm out at the racetracks and pick dogs that I think once I get them here are going to fit that profile. Now, do I ever know a hundred percent that I'm going to make a good match? I don't because as I said, they've been in a kennel, 66 other dogs, only greyhounds. We get them here. We don't know what they're going to be like. Not really. Mm-hmm. But I usually have a pretty good sense. And all the books you'll read about greyhounds say how much they love their crates. Sure, they love their crates when they're in their racing kennel where they're comfortable. They know the routine. They know the dogs across from them and below them and on either side of them. You get them into a home. I'd say 70% of them, when you try to put them into a crate, have an absolute meltdown. Like, they don't know why they're in the crate. Where are their buddies? What are they doing in this room? What do you expect of them? There is a transition. And with love, patience, and a sense of humor, greyhounds make fabulous pets as long as you know you can never let a greyhound off leash unless it's in a secure fenced yard. If you think that you're ever going to let your dog off leash, you can't ever expect it to come back because they have a job to do. They will see something blowing in the wind and remember when they were supposed to chase. And off they go. And they'll go from zero to 40 in three strides. So we're not catching them. 
they're gone with the wind. And sighthounds, they don't know to bend over and sniff the ground and find their way home. They're going to start looking for their house. And when they don't find it, they're just going to keep on trucking. And that's what I think is going on with Chief, the dog that we have missing currently in Ridgefield. Well, he probably doesn't, you know, just being off the racetrack, he doesn't have anything to orient to anyway. Right, right. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll get him home soon. I I wanted to ask you a a question, which is probably still Uh true. I remember one of the first times that I ever tried to get a greyhound to sit, <laughs> that oh, yeah. uh, that was a challenge um, because their <laughs> muscles are so tight. It's almost like asking them to do some sort of real exotic yoga stretch or something. Uh, and most dogs just sit just because it's a comfortable position to sit. And what I had to end up doing was put my hand on their chest and scoop their legs and kind of oh, almost mm-hmm. lift them up and lower them down into a sit position, which they'd say sitting for maybe a second and then pop right back up. So is that still the case? Is that always true with them? Well, their hind muscles are, are, are huge. You know, that's where all their speed comes from. That's the torque, their hind legs. And so if you ever do get a greyhound to sit and if you look down at the floor, you will notice that they're but is not touching the floor. It's up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, it just, their tail is kind of holding them up a bit. Now, all my dogs have been taught that they have to, you know, they, they know down, but I don't have any that I have a one, one about 15 years ago, I was successful in teaching her to sit. Well, I think part of the process of teaching sit is to get their rear legs stretched out enough so that they can even do it. It's like learning how to do a split or something for a human. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But when you have as many as I do, when they come in from their afternoon and they know that they're going to get their treat, they've all been taught, go to your bed and down. Mm -hmm. And once they're all in their beds and down, they get their treat. Now, my newest one, who I've had a week, and it's a work in progress. Well, you a week is a week, you know, I don't think. That's right. Most dogs aren't going to learn things in a week. I mean, every once in a while I'll run across a dog who is extremely easy to train, but uh, usually that those people don't need my services, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of make a living off of dogs that, that are a little challenged in some way or another. Um, so the other thing that I have heard about greyhounds, of course, I've never had one as a pet, so I don't know this firsthand, is that they're notorious for having bad teeth. Is that true? Um, many of them have not been given anything solid to chew in their kennels. And so, you know, the tartar builds up over the years. And, of course, that turns into gingivitis. But most adoption groups, mine especially, when we get a dog and we're preparing it for adoption, it does get a dental. And is that something that they need more of than your typical average dog? I believe so. I have some that can go three, four years without a dental I have others that need a dental probably every year, but humans are the same. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us have good teeth, others don't, and it can be genetic. Well, I Um, have a friend who likes to get her teeth cleaned uh, every six months, and and she gets regular cavities, and uh, 
I just had my teeth cleaned, and that was like the last time was like two years ago, and I don't have any cavities. So, <laughs> so I guess she's more like a greyhound. I don't know what kind of dog I am. But anyway, um, I think we need to go to another break, and then okay. we'll put you back on hold, and we'll be right back. Sure. Am I on? Okay. Um, I was a professional athlete, uh, recently retired. Now I'm working on my second career, uh, professional pet. I like snuggling on the couch, and well, I have couch potato tendencies. And, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, can I start over, please? I like long walks and quiet times, and I'm ready for a long-term commitment. This just might be the love of your life. Adopt a retired racing greyhound. Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. And we are here today speaking with Christine Johnson from Greyhound Rescue and Rehabilitation. And um, I had mentioned, we had already mentioned a couple of times, but I'm going to say it one more time. If you're in the Ridgefield, Connecticut area, and you see a greyhound running around out there, call animal control. Call somebody. The dog just recently came back from the track, and he's he got loose, and we need all the help we can get to try and get him back home. So you are Thank still you. there, aren't you, Christine? You're still with us. I am here. Oh, yep, good. I am okay. here. And Chief is a big, dark brindle male in ordinary circumstances. He's super friendly and super gentle, but as you said, Earlier, he's scared. Yeah. And so don't approach, don't call his name. You know, if anything, you want to crouch down and kind of see if he comes to you. If not, just call animal control. And you said he has a bright green collar on? He does. Okay. And it does have an ID tag on him. Um, we're just trying to get sightings, you know, so that we can figure out what path he's traveling. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, his crazy adventure will be over with soon. So anyway, um, I wanted to ask you a question about, uh, you know, people who want to get a greyhound maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, In the past, as I said, there was a period of time where it seemed like there were lots of greyhounds and it was, you know, relatively easy to find a dog that was retired off the track. And it sounds like that might not be the case anymore. So if somebody wanted to get a retired greyhound from the track, what kind of waiting period might there be these days? Well, it really depends. Somebody who's looking for a cat-safe female your wait is going to be a long time. If it is a cat-tolerant dog that you're looking for, we can probably do better, you know, two months. But if you don't have any other pets, then, you know, as I said, I go to the track every six to eight weeks and bring back dogs. Okay. So I'm very fortunate that I have wonderful friends in these kennels And I get out there thinking I'm going to be bringing six back. And they see me and they're like, oh, wait, I have this one available. And somebody else is like, oh, can you take these two? And I end up coming back with 12 instead of six. So so do you have any trouble placing them at this point or are there waiting lists? Well, it, it, it depends. It really depends on who we have applying and the personality of the dog. I... Don't place dogs just to get my numbers up to say, you know, I've, we've adopted over 2,000 dogs in 24 years. But 
I, I will wait for the right family for the right dog. If I have to keep a dog in foster care for nine months until the right family comes along, I will. I want it to be a win-win for everybody. And that makes me feel good. Well, I think that's great that you offering all that support because I know that people getting rescue dogs is a thing. And um, so many people just look at a picture of a dog online. They meet uh, a truck in a parking lot, and that's the first time they've ever seen the dog. And whatever information they have about the dog may or may not even be true. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's I can't really recommend that as a way to adopt a a dog of any kind and to have the dogs going into a foster care situation first, maybe to, you know, kind of unwind a little bit and have the foster people get to know the dog a little bit. And, you know, especially if they're experienced with doing Greyhound Foster, they can give you an honest assessment of what the dog is like. Because I I have met dogs in a variety of circumstances where people will describe their personality and I meet the dog and I don't know what they're looking at, but <laughs> I'm not sure what we're talking about here. So if we're not speaking the same language, sometimes, you know, and, and that's where things go really crazy when you're doing stuff online and, you know, you're reading some online description of some dog and, you know, it doesn't even necessarily make any sense. And a lot of times things are very contrary. So to have that kind of consistent, reliable uh, stuff when you're looking for a dog, I think is fantastic. And I'm assuming, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if somebody did adopt one of your dogs and something really bad happened in these people's life uh, and they could no longer keep the dog, that you would be there to help support with that too. Actually, they sign a contract. Mm-hmm. And the contract does state that if something, for any reason, they cannot keep this dog, that, you know, we will take the dog back. So not only will you, you insist on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I don't want a dog going into a shelter. I don't want somebody giving the dog to their friend who really doesn't understand who the dog is, you know, made a, might have known them in the, the first person's home, but going into a new home, a greyhound's going to be different. Yeah, They're very sensitive creatures, and change is a little challenging for them sometimes. So, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so can I. Yeah, uh, I think I feel like that to me is maybe the line in the sand of what's a responsible rescue organization and one who is not, and that is if they will stand behind their dogs through the dog's life. Because if somebody gives you a dog and they disappear and they don't want to hear from you and they don't want to know about anything anymore, that person, you know, that's just going to get everybody in trouble. The person that adopted the dog, the dog, is just not a good situation. So, you know, that's very good to hear that that you're doing that. And then this is just sort of a random weird question. Um, How do greyhounds take to baths and nail clippings? Well, kennels trim their nails, and they stand them up, and they get their nails trimmed. So they're used to that. Are they used to baths? Nope. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. They're not used to baths. What they are used to is after races, there is a hose. And, you know, they get a lot of sand in okay. their in their pads and everything. And their pads and their legs are hosed off. And 
Then they go into a back room where their faces are cleaned and their eyes are flushed. Well, that's so sort of like a bath. Of bath. <laughs> that's so, not totally you know, that's not a, bath, but <laughs> right. But it's close. It's somewhat, you know, it's they're used to water. Now some just, you know, some don't like water at all. Yeah. Um, and others, there's, you know, in the summer there's a pool that they put out after the races, and I've seen dogs. One of my favorites is Bridget. She's still running, and she'll just go after a race and go lay right down Take in the pool. a little dip in the pool. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's so cute. Well, we have uh, like two more minutes before the top of the hour, in which case we have to go bye-bye. And so I wanted yeah. to just make sure that there was, if there's anything in particular that you want to share in this last minute that you think is really important. Well, again, I just want to reiterate that Greyhound's do make wonderful pets as long as people understand that they're just we we don't really consider them dogs we kind of call them you know like aliens in greyhound suits um because they just have never been a dog as we know it you know they've had a racing career and they've had a history and they've led a very very um, routine life, you know, their life in the kennel is structured and that's what they thrive on. They thrive on routine and love and kindness and a sense of humor. You have to be able to ride that emotional roller coaster for the first couple of weeks when you get a great greyhound. Okay, and well, you know what, Christine, I hate to cut you off, but we're just about done with the show, but I'm so happy you came on the air and maybe you'll be back sometime. Would love it. And thank you so much for having me, Lori. And thanks for sharing the info about Chief. Okay, take care now. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. And podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.